Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Anders Lindforce. I'm not certain if I should introduce him as a business owner with a lot of community involvement or someone very involved with our community that has a business here. Welcome, Anders. Hi, Marge. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad you glad we could find a time. Anders, you have always lived in Richmond Hill, correct? Yeah, I am. I'm as close to say could say I was born and raised in Richmond Hill as I think I can get. I was born in a hospital in Toronto, but I was brought back to a house in Richmond Hill. And uh, except for leaving for school for university when I and uh, a couple for training and some work stuff, I've I've lived in Richmond Hill my whole life. Very good. So okay, so you are a true Richmond Hiller. Okay, <laughs> I looked on your LinkedIn profile, and you did not study hospitality but rather marine and freshwater biology. How did you get to be the owner of the pub King Henry's Arms? Well, that could that in some ways it can be a long or a short story. Um, my first passion has been the ocean and life in the ocean. I was lucky enough to try, try diving when I was 12 and fell in love with it. So mm-hmm. my goal for my youth was to find a way to be paid to scuba dive for a living. Oh. So with that, I, I went to University of Guelph for a degree in marine biology. Um, I actually took a year off. I lived in the Cayman Islands for a year, became a scuba instructor, came back, finished my degree. And in the process, my daughter was born before I finished my undergrad. And with sciences, with something like marine biology, masters and a PhD are effectively essential to make a career in, in in that profession. And I needed to support my family and raise my daughter. So it was a little, I kind of switched um i've actually been bartending since i was 19 it's part of the way i helped pay pay for my way through school and somehow one way or another i always kept getting drawn in um i've always really enjoyed it i've enjoyed i enjoyed the people aspect of it um and i've always been a bit of a night person so it, it was worked into my my schedule and things so i kept getting sucked in i've worked in three different bars in in richmond hill including i actually worked at king henry's before i became a partner in it and mm-hmm. the time just came right i was the uh, the general manager down the street at the falcon and perkin that used to used to exist mm-hmm. in sort of the old part of richmond hill and well especially in the hospitality industry you kind of have to at one point you either kind of move on or you move up and uh, like with a lot of jobs and I wanted to try to make a goal of making a career and after having my experience as a GM I approached my partner who was the Peter Laidlaw who was the GM at King Henry's and uh, we put an offer in and uh, it's been 11 years now it's actually been 11 years three weeks ago that we've owned the pub. Oh that's a long time. Yeah. Okay let's pretend uh, I've never been to your place. Please describe it. I would like to describe King Henry's Arms as that neighborhood local pub. It's very much a UK British style pub. It's I feel like it's what it kind of people 
at this point in time, almost stereotypically picture when they walk into a place, a lot of wood. Um, we actually just had new chairs and stools delivered, but you know, wood, a little bit of, a, we, we actually almost purposely leave a little bit of wear on the floor and some things to make it, you know, you want that feel that it, that it's been here and there's lots of old pictures and posters and, and, you know, beer signs on the walls. Um, and honestly, the big part that we're known for is what I think pub, a lot of pubs should be known for is we make our own food. So it's really, it's that meeting place. It's that place where you don't feel like cooking. You can come get almost like a home cooked style meal here. So we're, we're really known for the quality of the food we put out. Okay. Um, what are some of the best selling items on the menu and do they change seasonally? So we don't do a lot of seasonal changes on our menu because almost like in, in comparison to a lot of restaurants and a lot of places, I, I feel like a pub is all about consistency. And mm -hmm. we always struggle. We have a pretty big menu and we can't really do seasonal things that often because it just adds to what's already a pretty big and popular menu. But um, we're known for, I mean, we've won, won awards for our wings. We've mm -hmm. won awards locally for, in like the Reader's Choice Awards through the Liberal for our fish and chips. We've won for um, best all around casual restaurant. I'd like to say like we're known for our burgers and wings, but also like, I mean, kind of everything else it's a funny awkward question that comes up pretty regular at the pub where you know new customers will ask servers or if i'm working me in terms of what's what sells or what's the best dish on the menu and it's actually kind of an awkward thing when you say well we're not lying when we say pretty much everything's good on the menu it's just really what you like we yeah. we take pride in the fact that we really do make things with quality ingredients from scratch as much as possible so there's if if it wasn't good, it wouldn't be on your menu. But okay. you know that it is a it is a, it, it's a little unique and often comes off as a little bit of a false answer when people try to okay. try, try to pry in terms of try to find out what what's the best thing to try. But would, would you more people order something in August and something else in say January? Um, you will definitely see, like you know, we have we have a really good chili. We sell more chili in the winter in the summer okay. than the summer. You definitely see things like it's almost in terms of the reason why people are coming in, you know, when you have teams coming in when in summertime, when you have people coming in after activities, you'll sell a lot of more quicker style food, a lot of like burger, burgers that we make in house, you know, burgers, wings, things like that. I feel like you get into winter months, just like with our rotating taps, beer taps, they'll switch to some darker beers. You almost get heartier meals go out. You'll see things like we, we do liver and onions with bacon, something that we serve a lot of. Okay. I'm not a big liver fan. <laughs> no, I'm not um, either. It's a, really, it's a really tough one when people ask if it's good. I'm like, we sell a ton of it. And if okay. we didn't, if it, if it wasn't good, we wouldn't sell a ton of it. But I don't eat it personally. Same yeah. with the, the steak and kidney pie. Again, mm -hmm. we make it in house. Um, we sell out of it regularly. It's 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 not yeah. part of my <laughs> you know my desired things eat but um yeah. but uh, so yeah like it, it does I'd say the hardier stuff when we get into things like I said liver and onions are chili um we do a, a like a stout braised lamb shank so we'll get into some of the more sort of hardier food in the winter time I feel like everyone naturally kind of strays that way when you get into the colder months yeah okay you're making me hungry here okay. <laughs> Do you support like local breweries and wineries? Is that something you're able to do? Um, it gets as much as we can, yes. Um, so we have 20 beer taps, which is, is pretty good for the size of our place. Um, four of those taps rotate regularly. And on those, we feature Ontario craft breweries. So they might not be, let's say, Richmond Hill, but they, in terms of trying to support local Ontario businesses, those four taps rotate through 
uh, craft breweries. So, but every three months, you'll get a, a new selection of beers to try. Again, those, as I mentioned, those will vary a little seasonally. So we'll try to bring in ones that then complement the staples we have on tap to give people some some darker options in the winter. So maybe some more lighter, more ciders, more fruity flavors in the summer. Um, so we do those. We do carry um, wines from Vineland Estates, which is a really nice winery down uh, down sort of Niagara, close to St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to carry, carry some local wine as well. Wine's a little bit more difficult with trying to offer the variety and actually honestly at the price point where we're at, uh, where we need to. And that's one of the big things with the Ontario wines is some we can, some we can't, but we do the best we can. Um, And even with our food products, we try to stay as local as we can. Our chicken wings come in fresh from local farms. And that was a conscious decision we made because otherwise, you know, when you order frozen wings, they generally come from the U S or Brazil. And if you actually, if you just go out of your way to try to look, you can get them for the same price local, but you have to look and you have to actually make the point of trying to buy local. Um, and where we, like I said, we have done it where we can, because, you know, I, to me, it's important to reduce waste wherever possible and also try to support, you know, other businesses around us. Right. Very, very good. Oh, I did. Sorry. I will jump in and mention, I didn't get to mention, but in three weeks time, we will have Richmond Hill's first craft brewery on top of the pub. So there is a new brewery um, opened, opening on Newkirk. So it is um, called York Brewery and they're just getting up and going. So I'm excited to actually be able to get something from a local brewer on top here pretty shortly. Yeah. Oh, that's very good. I'd like to hear that. So King Henry's Arms is a meeting place. Like I've been there for meetings. I've gathered there after a heart and stroke, big bike ride. I've met people from the Rotary there. Um, so, and you know, I believe that uh, with meeting your customers, you get a good reading, a good pulse of the community. What do you sense? It's it, we are at a very interesting time, especially in Richmond Hill. I feel like uh, Richmond Hill's at a transition point. Um, there's uh, if you go back to the last couple of years, I mean, Richmond Hill's been at the top of the nation's list for the one of the most unaffordable or you know most expensive housing communities in the country, not just in Ontario. Um, I think that's reflected in a lot of ways. In you just feel a little bit of unsettled, a little bit of angst because it's hard for a good portion, especially of the population. Richmond Hill used to be a you know, having lived here my whole life and really seeing the transition, Richmond Hill used to, in a lot of ways, be a very blue-collar town. Um, and especially in terms of that community that you would see in places like uh, the local pub. And the thing is, that's becoming less and less because you can't, it's unaffordable. And what you're having is a lot of people that have lived in Richmond Hill a long time that don't feel like they can stay for one reason or another. They're not making the money they need to make just to support their homes or support the property taxes. So, I, it's a weird, weird time where a lot of people, It's I I don't see sense from that. We have a really nice um, group of people that actually come together, talk, exchange. You know, it's it's a really nice community around the pub. So I, I'd say I feel more angst than anger in people. It, it doesn't go that far, but it is a lot of just not sure what the future holds. And it can be tough. You know, it's, it's the stuff, we, you know, we'll see the parents that have been here for a long time. I might be friends with the kids that are now my age that used to be regulars at let's say King Henry's or other places that, you know, they've had to move out of town. They're not here anymore. And, you know, and, and I've always said, I, I feel like, and I know I'm not alone, but I feel like I'm one of the first generations where it really wasn't an option to, to be able to stay in the town I grew up in just because it was becoming so unaffordable so quickly. Right. Okay. <laughs> Interesting insights you have there. What are your aspirations for the pub? 
uh, to keep it going. I mean, it's, uh, you know, one of the nice things is, like, the pub has been around for 22 years. Um, pubs, I, you know, I've used the word consistency a couple times when describing the pub, and I feel that's what pubs are, is, you know, I would, like, if I had a choice of, if I could, if there was a place in town that had a pub that had been in the same building for 200 years, that would be the absolute, my first place I'd want to own and run just because I love that history and I love that sort of presence and consistency. I mean our biggest challenge right now coming forward is it's keeping it alive in terms of we're really lucky we survived the pandemic um, the pandemic really got people to look local um, it was a big change where you really saw we've had more people know we exist than ever before but we face the problem of where the pub is now I, I would expect within five to seven years the building will be gone. Yeah. Um, so our issue is is becoming one of those is where do we rel- relocate to? Um, and uh, it's something I'm really concerned about because by the time we're ready to move, which is really when we have to move, um, I'm not sure where we'll go. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what will be available and still around. So it's it's legitimately a big concern of mine, but it's also not something I can really worry about on a daily basis yeah. because no amount of planning at this point will yeah. change what, what we face then. But that's probably one of my biggest concerns. Otherwise, you know, the hope is to to you know keep it going and keep it around and keep it being that sort of stable place that that it is now. Very good. Okay, you have been a big supporter of Rotary. You were instrumental in starting the Rotary Craft Beer Festival. Uh, can you talk about that? Can you talk about both Rotary and the beer festival? Um, so yeah, so quickly in terms of Rotary, um, it's something if people haven't heard about Rotary and Rotary International, something I really encourage people to look up and look into. Um, it's a service club. A lot of people have heard of you more, probably maybe more the Lions Club than, than, uh, than the Rotary Club. They both, they're a service club. Uh, Rotary's based on very much on the ideas of bringing business people together, people that, uh, professionals would probably be a better way to do it as, um, both as a, as a social group that is um you know is a a social group that is trying to do good within the community it's all about trying to actually you know service through through self be a service to others be a service through through your community to your community while i'd also ideally advancing your own your own self and your own your your own business or your own profession so I, I like to think of it as a little bit of a, a hybrid between the potential to do some self-support sort of networking, but at the same time, really with a goal of giving back to your community and also helping on projects internationally. So that's a, a really short version of it, um, but there's a lot they do. Uh, I mean, everyone hears about Bill Gates with sort of Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation um, helping to eliminate polio. What's not advertised often is the way they did that was by supporting rotaries and polio campaign so they actually their money went to help rotaries international efforts to end polio it wasn't something that they did on their own so that's a big you know global scale thing that rotary on a global scale is doing so when i became involved i was invited to join a little after i became an owner at the pub to join the local rotary club and i actually was the youngest member of the original rotary club when i joined and uh something for me as i try to help the club continue to raise money um i used what i knew and you know for me i i i know the hospitality industry and at the time i was really getting to know a lot, a lot of the craft breweries the pub was the first pub uh, bar in town first restaurant anything that was started to carry craft beers in richmond hill on a regular basis so um i used my knowledge with that to help you know come up with the idea and then help start the craft beer festival which has now been 
running for, we took some time off for the pandemic, but I think we've had nine now in total um, over the last 11 years. Um, and we've raised about $10,000 a year that again, all goes, and the beauty of something like Rotary in terms of fundraising is everyone's a volunteer. So there's no, over, you know, you're not paying anybody. Any money we that that club raises goes to the cause they're putting it towards. So we've raised about 10,000 every year that then goes to support a lot of their local giving, but then they'll, they'll, the club has individual um, international projects they support, a lot of things like building schools, or in some cases, just washroom, proper washroom facilities in, a, in a, you know, in third world communities, really. So um, a lot of the, the money will go to those those efforts as well. Okay, very good. And the beer, uh, beer festival, it is in August, and I assume it's tentatively planned for this year at the Richmond Hill Center for Performing Arts outside it, in the plaza. And it's always been a great day. I've gone to many of them. I think last year I had COVID, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> that's was my time for COVID. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, a great it's, event that's really well attended by everyone and everyone is so positive. So yeah. It's a great fun. It's great to see people come out and have fun and just just have a good time. We keep it at the Performing Arts Center because it is in the center, you know, center of old Richmond Hill in the center of the community. It, we ideally keep it where m more people can take transit and walk to versus having mm -hmm. to drive to since it is an alcohol event. Yep. Um, and the, that facility, the Richmond Hill Center for Performing Arts is to me in some ways an underutilized or underpromoted amazing facility in Richmond Hill. So it's one right. more chance we get to have to get people to come out and explore it okay well let's leave august and go back to february and uh, the cold month and uh, not too long from now the winter carnival you've been very involved with that so this year's february 3rd and 4th always yep. at the mill pond uh park but first before we start talking about it do you think do you predict we will have ice will the pond freeze over this year your guess. I think I might, I'm going to be optimistic and I think we will have ice this year. Okay, good. I, I so like it to skate there. Okay, so can you give us a brief history of the Winter Carnival? It is older than you, correct? It is older than me. It started <laughs> yeah. in 1969. Um, yeah. So it's been around for a while. Actually, I, if I'm not mistaken, last year when we unfortunately had to cancel it was the first year there wasn't a winter carnival since 1969 i could be wrong on that i am not the historian for the winter okay. carnival but um so it's it's a really unique community event because unlike a lot of events that people see um most of them are then either very commercially run by some kind of a commercial organization or events are run by the town um the Richmond Winter Carnival is supported by the town of Richmond Hill, but is actually run by a group of volunteers. It's run and funded by a group of volunteers that then, and the sponsors that then support the event. So it's, it's really unique because it's about the neighborhood coming together to put on an event for the community. And, and I believe that's really honestly how it, let's say, started. And now it's become more of a community event, put it on by the community for the community. But it was really that mill pond neighborhood around there where you had all the neighborhood neighbors coming out. I mean, I grew up, the first snowmobile I ever rode on was, you know, the neighbors going, the neighbor's snowmobile, because one of the rides for kids back in like 1986 was everyone would bring their snow machine to the, uh, to, or a couple of volunteers would bring them down to the pond and kids would line up and get to go for a ride through the woods at the pond. Now, 
today's day and age for all kinds of liability reasons that would never happen, but it was awesome back then. (laughs) And um, there's been so many unique things like that. We used to have, for 20 years, there were skydivers that landed on the Mm -hmm. pond uh, during the Winter Carnival. Again, something that was really, really awesome, really unique. I didn't realize how unique it was until I grew up. You know, I grew up, uh, to, to give some context, my backyard growing up backed onto the mill pond. So it was an extension of my backyard. I got to, I was very, very lucky that I could walk through a gate with my skates on from my back door. Now it was a long backyard, but I could kind of like gently slide down through the snow and I could literally walk out and go skate on the pond. So for me, I grew up with that carnival. And um, that's probably why it's so close to my heart. It was like, I want to try to keep it going because these events like this are so unique is, it's, it's meant to be affordable. One of the ethos, one of the guiding lights is to keep it an affordable family event. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means keeping it to be non-commercial, not commercially, isn't about making money. It isn't about offloading costs on the people that attend. So unlike other events where, and, and I'm not trying to criticize other events, but not unlike other events where you have vendors paying to be there that then actually need to make money to be there because they're paying to be there. It's a business venture for them. Um, the Winter Carnival is really about entertainment and activity, and it's really meant to try to be as affordable as possible for families. So there isn't any of that. And it mm-hmm. also makes it very unique and a, a very a, a much a big challenge because it really relies on people committing to the idea of the Winter Carnival and committing their time and effort and getting and getting companies and individuals involved in financially sponsoring the event. Right. And so what is your involvement now? You're on the committee. Um, I'm on the committee. I, I, I used to joke that I, I mean, I started, my mom actually joined first and then I joined and um, being on the younger side, one of my issues is always t- is, is time between raising my kids and, and now my own business or when I was a general manager, um, the hospitality business is not one built on regular schedules. And um, so what I've, I've joked a lot, of, I, I was often on the shadow committee. I was there helping plan things, do things as much as I could when I couldn't attend regular meetings. But I've been involved in now for over 15 years. And mm-hmm. one of the con- con- contributions I've given that I've been really proud of, kind of like with the beer festival for the Rotary Club, is trying to bring some new ideas um, new ways for the carnival to provide activities um, for different demographics, but also bringing in money to help support the old, overall thing. So I helped, I started the Richmond Hill, uh, Pond, Ho- Pond Hockey Tournament for the Winter Carnival that we had going. I believe we did it for, I think it was close to a decade that we managed to pull off uh, pull off a, a tournament every every year on the ice, which was awesome. Just getting mm-hmm. we you know eight to ten teams out playing playing shinny on the ice, you know, no goalies, ice hockey, the, the low nets, you know, no goalkeeping, just, just all about having fun, you know, no equipment needed, just a helmet for safety. And uh, the nostalgia that brought out the amount of people that came out just to have fun and play was yeah. great. It was something that I, that, that was something I contributed as in organizing sponsoring through the Falcon Perkin when I, when I was the manager there, but then we've continued to sponsor through the pub here with the prizes. The, the prize used to be leaf tickets for the entire team. So you can Ooh. imagine that's a little pricey, but a, mm-hmm. a great way to draw people out because they yeah. want to come yeah. in those. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, due to, as you, you, had, you asked me to predict whether or not there's going to be ice or not, and, and that is the issue is it's why we've had to stop running the, the pond hockey tournament is we just consistently can't assure that the pond is going to be safe for that weekend. So we've we've we started doing road hockey for a bit, and we've had to pivot away from it to try to find other activities. But that was one of my contributions. Um, 
we same with we actually did a little bit of a craft beer tasting and music night mm. on the on a Saturday night in the tent again like I, what I've tried to do is is add to what everyone else is already doing trying to do things that really again reached out to more than just the young kids families with young kids get yeah. everyone else involved in the community too and and uh and yeah and and try to create things that actually bring some money in that all go go towards helping the next carnival because again right. that's sort of the way it works um so yeah so that's that's been sort of my involvement it gives you like with it being in my backyard that's where it's it's it, mm -hmm. it holds a lot of fine good childhood memories and i want my kids to be able to you know i have one kid in university now my daughter she got to be experienced in the winter carnival she got to have fun in there and she's now comes back to volunteer for it my son's now four so you know, I selfishly want to make sure that that carnival is there for him to experience and get yeah. to have those those uh, great sort of you know winter memories and those memories in a in the place I grew up. Yep, very good. Okay, and Ukpik is your mascot. Where'd they come? From? Where'd that name come from? I, you know, Ukpik's been around since 1970. Um, okay. I don't know. I wish I could tell you. Like I said, okay. this is one of the catches. I'm, I am not the historian for the committee. Um, he's been a staple. Um, many members of my family have been at book pick at one point or another <laughs> um, as we've gone around. Doing, I, I've actually managed to, again, due to my you know, unpredictable schedule and maybe leaning into that a little. I've managed to personally never have to be <laughs> going around. But like I said, my daughter's done it. Other people have done it. Um, and my family done it. But it, he's it's people around Richmond Hill now recognize Oakpick because yep. Oakpick's been around oh, okay. over 50 okay. years. Okay, let's go beyond the carnival. Um, you've already mentioned this, that you've seen how Richmond Hill has really grown since, you know, I've been here for over 30 years. Uh, you were a kid, and it's expected to grow even more. How would you like to see the city be even more of a fun place, or at least a better place? Um, I think right now, as we grow and as as uh, as the city changes, I think one of my big concerns is is having those venues or spaces where people can gather and do fun things like I, I, an example for me and this is, goes beyond just Richmond Hill but York Region is live music venues mm -hmm. I mean if you look at um, something that we're losing in development and what what kind of buildings are being knocked down and then what they're being replaced with I, I just said like the Richmond Hill Performing Arts Center is awesome and for a certain type of concert that's great but we don't have any places that are thousand two thousand you know sort of person bars where you just go see that band that's coming through mm -hmm. um where you get to see newer acts things like that so that's just an example of what i'm would like to see more of and where i'm concerned about is is really all of those the community spaces and be, them being planned out and built and and again like i said community spaces they're not just parks parks are incredibly important for me and in terms of and and sport athletic venues and things like arenas and things like that but you also need your entertainment districts you need your bars you need your restaurants you need that and i actually honestly i think that's one of my big concerns with richmond hills we don't have that we we really haven't had that for a long time in richmond hill in terms of those entertain we've only had east beaver creek the east beaver creek area and even that has you know really been failing in the last decade um and I, i'd like to see more of that because i think we're missing it and i, I and it, it, it doesn't give us richmond hill residents a chance to do those kind of activities within their own community. I mean, I grew up going to concerts everywhere but Richmond. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Uh, I do like to end this podcast with the 
guest response to this question. Name one thing you really like about this community. Um, I honestly, to me, I think comes down to more and more is, is the diversity of the community. I've always, I, I think I haven't grown up here. I think I've been so many ways taking it for granted. Um, I, you know, every so often I've realized going elsewhere, I'm like, oh, this isn't normal, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, uh, and then with my hospitality focus, like, I mean, we, I don't think people realize how lucky we are for the quality of restaurants we have around Richmond Hill from different ethnicities, different backgrounds, the type of cuisine we can have at such high quality within our community mm. is, is awesome. And in a lot of ways, really, really unique. And it's, it's worth exploring. And, 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 and it's something that I, what I love about it is how many of those restaurants are all also independently owned restaurants. Yep. They are, you know, you know, they are, they, they are corporate restaurants. They aren't big chains. We really do have a lot of independent restaurants that produce world-class food. Um, and they said that that's my lens of how I see a lot of things and with the, what I'm involved in, but it's something I've always, always really loved and appreciated. And, and, and like I said, not really necessarily realized how unique it was until, uh, you know, yeah. going and visiting other people. Okay. Very good. I like that answer. Okay. So I will add to the podcast notes, the website for King Henry's arms, the craft brewery, the craft, Rotary Club Craft Beer Festival and the Richmond Hill Winter Carnival. So uh, awesome. yeah, it's lot, lots to, to do, lots to see. And again, thank you so much, Anders, for taking the time to do this. I have really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for the opportunity. I have too. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marge, M-A-R-J, at margeandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected.